Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily, and joining us on the show is Josh from Empower Training Systems. What's going on, man? How are we doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me and uh, just excited to chat with you here. Yeah, absolutely. Now, before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you guys have going on at Empower Training Systems, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. So we describe ourselves as a functional training facility, but we are adamant about people's quality of life and we just want people to move well, feel well, and we recognize that everybody has different goals. Uh, when we first started Empower, it was very fat loss focused and driven to where we said we're going to be the leaders in Lancaster in fat loss and body composition change. And we realized over time that while that's a great goal in and of itself, it's, it's only one small piece of the pie and that ultimately that's part of a bigger deeper why and a deeper focus like fat loss like why and we started doing those kind of um exercises to where we said why why do you want it why do you want fat loss and we realized that there's so many other components to it too that mental health was important spiritual health was important physical health and how can we bring that all into a gym um, so we really focus on telling people that we're a functional fitness facility that's focused on quality of life improvement and building a community because uh, we know how important that is to people's success as well. And really what made me get into it in the first place was I worked at commercial gyms and um, I've worked for corporate wellness uh, in the past and it was all the same kind of thing. It was very big box gym kind of uh, set up, you know, with all the traditional machines. And then it was, you come in, you give them the standard tour and, you know, first workout and all the personal training was done the same way, you know, in that same kind of, you know, age old packages and stuff like that. Um, and I remember pitching to some of those owners. I think there's a better way to do this. I think we need to clear out some of the equipment, make more space for movement um, do more functional training, you know, bring in, you know, the, the stuff that we weren't seeing in those types of facilities at that time, free weights, kettlebells, you know, sleds, things like that, and was usually met with pretty quick rejection, um, and just decided that the only way I was going to get it to be the vision that I had was to go out on my own and try to do that. Okay, so did you quit working at whatever corporation you were working for and then like did you immediately start your gym after that so I started kind of putting the wheels in motion thinking about what it would look like and what I would have to do and started coaching some programs uh I developed my own fitness class and some other things purchased a little bit of equipment and used a local park where I just started running classes on my own, kind of in my, my spare time before and after work, and just trying to build a small following there to see if it was realistic, if people would come, if, you know, if it's something we could do. And 
along the way, someone had introduced me to someone else in Lancaster that was doing something very similar. Um, so my wife's cousin actually reached out and said, hey, I've been taking classes with um, this girl, Angela, and she's doing something similar to what Josh is looking to do. I think they should talk and talked with her. And she was doing something, you know, very, very similar and training some people out of a little barn behind her house. So she had a little bit more of a facility than I did. Um, so we started actually working together and partnered together um, for the first several years of our business. But uh, we started just kind of 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. I would show up there training clients. I'd go to work for eight hours. And then from 5 to 8 p.m., I'd train more people over at the barn. And um, after about a month, I was like, this is not sustainable. Like, I'm going to die if I keep going at this pace. Um, so. I realized though, I was able to do that. Like those slots were filling up. Um, so I quickly talked with my wife and said, this is what I feel like I wanna do, but I can't grow it any further with my job kind of in the way of it. So I need to take a leap of faith here and step out on my own and, and go for it. And it might work, it might not. And if it doesn't, I'll get another job, you know, no big deal. And um she supported me in it. Um, she always has through this, which is a huge piece of that. Um, but I took that jump then after about a, a month and a half, I think, and quit my full-time job with benefits and, you know, salary and all that and build it up. And unbelievably it, it built up quick. And I mean, within three months, I believe, uh, we looked for and got our first space outside of that barn because we were able to grow it that quickly. That's awesome. The grind, working that uh, full-time job, and then, yeah, that's, that's great, man. I, I definitely can resonate with that for sure. Um, and it's definitely not sustainable. I agree with you on that one. <laughs> so, okay, so you started from zero clients, right? Mm -hmm. You eventually opened up a facility. So let's talk a little bit about how you got people in the door, because that's something that you mentioned, like you didn't know whether people were going to come and stay or, you know, like the training or not. Um from zero to wherever you're at now, I'm not sure. I don't think we talked about that specific number, but what is something that you learned starting from zero that worked very well when it comes to getting people to come in and also getting them to stay? And then what's some form of marketing that you'll probably never try again? Yeah, so I guess it, it was a combination of two things kind of getting off the ground. One was not over-investing right away. Cause that was one of my first thoughts was like, I'm going to spend $200,000 and build this crazy facility. And everyone that I talked to in business was like, that's not a good idea. Like build it as you, you gain some traction. And at first I was like, well, how can I gain traction without X, Y, Z? And then I realized it's not like a gym, like there's no, it's not about the equipment. It's not about a particular exercise. Like it's, you can program a great routine with anything. Um, so part of it was just building as I went versus going all in. Um, on the marketing side, um, that was somewhere that I'm still no expert in. And that was somewhere I was very lost in the beginning. So uh, I started with the people I knew, literally family and friends and said, hey, can you come take this class? Like you can do it by donation or here's the suggested amount or just come. Like I need people to show up and the more people that show up, you know, the more people will come. And 
those people did out of support for me. And a lot of them really enjoyed it and said, okay, we're not just supporting him. This is actually something we want to attend. And they began to tell some other people. And it really started very, very grassroots, like just word of mouth kind of thing, which we all say is, you know, the key in this industry. And it certainly is. But even to get the word of mouth started when you have zero is tough. So it was really reaching out to everyone that I knew. And then through the different gyms I had worked at and through the fitness community, just started reaching out to all the contacts I had, like, hey, I went out on my own. Would you be willing to give me a chance? Come check this out. You know, just come. And for the most part, it was not even worrying about the money at first because I got to get people there and show them that I know what I'm doing. Um, and then the the growth over time has been kind of leveraging their networks. And we've I've spent money on everything from radio, newspaper, getting in the local country clubs magazine, the like, you name it, I tried it. Very little of it has direct return. You know, it's the kind of uh, one of my business mentors says nothing works, but everything works, you know, so it's, you don't see the direct return on it sometimes. But it's a touch point for people that over time, maybe it helps. But the only thing that I consistently saw on a regular basis was word of mouth. So to me, the thing that I enjoy about it, besides helping people physically, is I love building the community. I love interacting with people, talking to people, building a relationship. And when I would do that, they'd tell other people about it. And it just it felt more natural to me. And so it's kind of ensuring that we have this community feel in our gym when people come in is almost sells itself. Yeah. So um, when it comes to word of mouth, there are yeah. obviously the, the pros of that. What are like the pros and on the other side, like the flip side, what are the cons of word of mouth when it comes to like sustainable growth? Right. So the, the cons would be two things. If you don't do things well, People hear about that probably even more so than the good, right? So when you're when you're very heavy on word of mouth, you've got to you've got to be sure that you're doing the right thing and um, you know making people happy. Also, if say for now we have maybe a hundred personal training clients at the moment, they I mean they each have a network, but what happens you know at the end of that network they've reached out to some someone you know some of these people have been with us for years they're like I, i've reached out to my friends i'm not going to keep bugging them um there's a limited amount of resources right um so i'd say th that and some people just don't want to some people don't want to share with their contacts and their friends they feel like dirty kind of doing that like i don't want to pitch something to them um so i think it's limited in number by relying exclusively on um, that kind of traditional word of mouth. Yeah. So, I mean, as you guys continue to grow and expand and help more people, are you going to take a look into, like, what else are you going to look into when it comes to marketing? Um, are you on social media, like Facebook, Instagram? Have you ever done any type of like paid advertisement at all? Yeah. So we, we are on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, we use it fairly regularly. Uh, I've done lots of different paid ads. The paid ads tend to work pretty well when we're pitching our kids programs um, more than anything. So 
That's just what we've kind of found. Put some fun pictures of kids doing Ninja Warrior obstacles that grabs attention. Parents see it, um, and it's it's a little bit easier to kind of narrow down that demographic because we can just choose people in our area with kids, you know, in a certain range and like target that. Um, the overall on social media, I I struggle to be super consistent and relevant, and it's just not my favorite thing. So it makes it a little bit more of a challenge. But we've done a few other things. I like doing a lot of things that are different that other people haven't done. Um, there's certainly the tried and true ways, but we do things like different community events that we get involved in. We host an obstacle course race at the local minor league baseball stadium that's branded under our name um, and just gets the word out. We've uh, recently just started pairing with, this is kind of like a, a different level of word of mouth. We looked at our client base and said, some of these people own businesses and some of them are very successful. And for example, I have a friend from when we were about five years old, we knew each other, lived near each other, went to school together. Um, she owns a restaurant here in Lancaster, a, a crepery of all things. And it's like, how does a crepe place and a gym work together? Um, and I, in looking at it, said she has 14,000 followers on her social media channels versus the 1,000 I have. And so if I want that word to get out, how do I leverage her network? And how do we do something that suits both of us? And long story short, she has some of her cooks that are here training with us to get healthier and feel better, move better, drop some weight. Um, and we have menu items on their menu now that are approved by us and the dietitian that's on our staff and we're cross-promoting through social media channels and all all in a very like organic kind of way um, but it's been super successful so we started looking and saying hey you know it goes beyond just can you tell five friends now it's like how can we help each other grow our businesses in a true genuine way too to where neither one of us is promoting something we don't believe in we're actually helping each other You're muted right now. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. So what I was saying was, it sounds like you've learned how to really add value to your community, or just like exchange value to, so that you guys can help each other grow, which is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So like, aside from the marketing, like the next step, after you get somebody in the door for mm -hmm. marketing, like, are you doing, are you the one that's converting them to paying clients so it's mostly myself and our general manager carla that do those first meetings um we're starting to as we're growing you know get more of our staff involved with that um but yes um we try to for a couple of reasons we're here all the time we have more availability we've both carla's been with me almost since the very beginning so we know the business inside and out um but we, when people come in, the first thing we do is we meet with them first. We don't charge them anything. We don't, uh, you know, want any money or any contracts signed. Let's find out if it's a good fit for everybody. Let's introduce you to the space. Let's do a movement screen, see how you move before we even put you through any kind of workout. You know, if there's any type of you know, uh, imbalance or type of improper movement we want to make sure we address that like day one and then we sit down and we go over their goals their workout history their health history and you know just kind of build a relationship with them first and then say 
what do you think? You know, is, is this the fit for you? How would you like to move from here? Um, but we usually spend probably about an hour that first time just seeing if it's a fit. So how are your, I guess, sales skills going into, like when you first started your business? Um, <laughs> not good. So it was, I think a lot of people in this industry are very driven by a passion for fitness, right? And they're not necessarily business people or salespeople. So a lot of us have to learn to be that as we go. And that was definitely the case for me. It was, I'm really good at what I do. I have no idea how to let people know. And I have no idea how to close. And I hated asking for money and stuff like that. Um, which over time changed because once I proved to myself and to others, I can do this, I can do it well, I'm good at this, and I'm getting results from people, the idea of asking for the money is, is a lot easier because you know the product and the result that you're giving them. True. So let me ask you this. Do you feel like you're, where your prices are right now, do you feel like you are charging what you're worth? Yes, I think we're we're right in line with where we should be. So we're certainly not the cheapest place in town. Um, we're definitely on the higher end, but at the same time, we are not just a regular big box gym. You know, we're providing very personal service, um, and we have proven over and over again that we'll help people get their results. So it's, it comes down to a lot of times for me, it's it's really value. How much do people value it? Like, what is it? What is it worth to them? You know, is it, if it's worth $10 a month to you, sure, $200 a month is expensive. But if you're like, I've tried the $10 a month thing and I don't get results doing it on my own, I need someone that can help me get these results so I can get off this medication and feel better and sleep better and things like that. $200 a month is not that much money when I consider those things. Um, so I think we're we're positioned right with our pricing um, and the small group model keeps it if it was one on one and we do have a few people that do one on one. It is more expensive that way. Um, mm -hmm. But the with that small group model, it allows us to kind of find that happy medium between charging what we're worth individually for the hour and keeping the price down for the clients as well. Yeah, well said. I think, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who definitely are not charging their worth. Um, and it's kind of something like, Ooh, I don't know if I should even ask for this price, but to your point, like you have to establish the value, sure, which is important. Um, our, our highest priced membership is a, an unlimited one-on-one -on -one personal training package. That's over $900 a month. And, you know, sometimes people see that and they're like, are you serious? Like, yeah, because we have people that come in, they're the only person in the gym five hours a week they're in here by themselves one-on-one -on -one with a coach they're getting nutrition they're getting accountability outside of here like it's a dedicated thing to give them what they need to be healthier mentally physically all of that and to to the right person it's absolutely worth it and we can stand behind that saying yeah it's worth that value yeah absolutely so to your point you said that a lot of personal trainers become business owners because they're very passionate about helping people and what they do, but not necessarily coming in with, like, with the business like acumen. Mm -hmm. um, so over the past 12 years or so, 
if you could rely on two skills, right? Two skills only to grow your gym, what would those two skills be and why? I know this is, there are many skills that you need, but right, the most important too. So I would say, for me at least, the things that have been successful for me is not being afraid to do things that are different um, is a big one for me. So I am willing to take risks that a lot of people wouldn't. Um, my wife and I, for example, are very different in how we process things and think about things. And I joke and say that I'm the ready, fire, aim guy uh, versus the ready, aim, fire, um, because I like to like, let's just take a shot and we're going to try to make it work as we go, whether it's marketing, a new service we're adding, like we'll figure it out. Like I get excited about it. And if it excites me, we're going to try it. And chances are, because if you're excited about it, you put your passion into it. So even if it doesn't work, the chances of it being an epic failure are slim. Like you're at least going to like make enough to where it's not super hurtful. Um, so that's one of the things is just kind of being brave enough to like go after those different things that you're like, I see an opportunity, um, you know, in the marketplace or whatever to go after. Um, and the other one is being open to learning more from other people um, like mentors and stuff. When I first started in this business, I was definitely a young guy that thought like, I got this, like I got my degree, I got this, like I'm starting my business, I know what I'm doing, nobody else knows because nobody's done what I'm doing before, right? <laughs> right? And then you realize pretty quickly like, yeah, it's not that different. Like people have done stuff. They've started a business. They've done this and that. And I've had to kind of put my own ego aside and really step back and go, I really don't know some of this stuff. And some of these other people do. I need to listen to them. I need to talk to them. So the other piece for me would be like having a good mentor to help drive, you know, the, the areas that I'm not as good at. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so. Talk to us about where you want to take Empower Training Systems. Like a year from now, February 2024, where do you want things to be business-wise for you guys? So a year from now, I'd love to have 50 more personal training clients, first of all, because we have the room for it. We have a great staff right now. We're, we're set up to where we can handle that. And we've been seeing consistent growth lately, like, I'd like to be there on the personal training side. Um, on the new growth side, the autism fitness that we run um, is a relatively new program. And that's somewhere that I see a ton of opportunity. So that program in particular is something that I want to grow to the, to the level that our, our small group personal training is. So I'd love to have 100 participants in our autism fitness program. Nice, nice. So you mentioned you have a dietitian. So are you offering nutrition coaching as well? So we do offer for all of our personal training clients, there's very basic um, nutrition guidance and um, accountability that's offered. You know, they might keep a food log. They get a little bit of feedback on let's make these small changes. Mm -hmm. um, our dietitian, she actually has a business that she can do everything all the way through meal plans and such as well. She's one of our coaches. And basically we just sub it out to her then to say, 
you need to talk to Jackie about this because it's very particular. And she gets into even autoimmune um, diet options and thing, things like that. That's cool. So is that like included with the package that you offer your personal training clients or is that something that they kind of purchase separately? So the standard um, like nutrition, uh, accountability and food log kind of stuff is included for all of our small group. The custom uh, meal plan, stuff like that, anything that's beyond that basic, like once a week turning in a sheet, getting some basic feedback um, would be something they would pay extra for. But all of our small group clients get the basic nutrition coaching. They get accountability outside their sessions. They get unlimited open gym access. They get all of our group exercise classes. Um, so there, there's quite a bit included with our small group training. Yeah. So one more question for you before we wrap up. Um, and I asked about, I asked you about this free pod. Like what's the goal for you? You obviously own Empowered Training Systems, but like outside of that, like, you know, what type of lifestyle do you want your gym to provide for you? Like, are you working on anything personally? Yeah. So right now I'm actually, <laughs> I do a lot of things. Um, so it's when I sit back and look at it, sometimes I don't understand how I'm doing all these things, but uh, I'm getting my master's degree right now from Liberty University um, and finishing that online while being a father of two young kids. Um, I serve in the military in the Air National Guard. Um, keeps me super busy, but my my goals, my passions outside of Empower are number one, finishing up my degree program. Um, but I'm a competitive obstacle course racer. Uh, I love traveling, doing different races. I love going with my family. Uh, my kids do all the kids races. So it's a great bonding experience for us. We get to travel, stay in a hotel, which they think is the greatest, and then go play. We all get to be big kids playing on a giant obstacle course and playground. Um, so continuing to do those races and showing my kids the uh, um, the reward for hard work through that, um, just spending that time with them, you know, and then finishing up that degree. Awesome, man. That's really cool. Cool to learn. So Josh, this is a really good place for us to wrap things up on this episode. But before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. So we, we can be found online at EmpowerTrainingSystems.com. Uh, we are at 276 Granite Run Drive in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. All righty. Well, thank you so much, Josh. We really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. And also looking forward to seeing what you guys are going to be able to accomplish down the road. Yeah, so, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. To everybody who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit that like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. 
What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Jim Lawrence Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, our guest is Mr. Gunnar Edwards of Rally Point Fitness with two locations in Tuscola, Illinois. Rally. Rally. Gunnar, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. I'm excited to dig into this and, and pick your brain a little bit. There's been a lot of recent happenings in the rally point world um but before we get into that business side of things and the conversation there gunner give us and our listeners a little bit of context and background on what rally point fitness is first and yeah. foremost. um so myself i am a eight-year veteran of the army and uh i went to afghanistan back in 2012 and that's when i truly became i think a gym rat because there's not much to do over there um, so working out became my escape and then I fell in love with fitness. And whenever I came home, I continued to use fitness as therapy of sorts. Um, I, I struggled and I battled my demons with not so healthy habits for a while, but fitness was always there. So then whenever I started thinking about rally point, it was, um, kind of like, you know, rally point or fitness has helped me through my struggles. What if I can put something together and build a facility for veterans and first responders um, to go and deal with whatever demons they have? So that's what we kind of, we tried to do is build a facility for vets and first responders. Um, however, the entire community, everybody is welcome, but that's our niche. And it's evolved into something way greater than veterans and first responders. Yep. So it started for vets. Um, but now it's for everybody and it's been pretty incredible to see over the last couple of years. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool story. And I find that how we got here is usually pretty telling as to where we're going. Big picture. Um, and you sort of alluded to how and when, but reminisce on that time for a minute and just look back as a, a gym owner and, and a business owner in general, what's been, what's been your favorite part about, running your own business and what's been the toughest part as well pair that on there. the uh the best thing that has happened since starting is all of the relationships that have happened inside the walls of rally point um me coming up with this idea and running with it and having no idea what i was doing has turned into like lifelong friends for a lot of people and it's changed a lot of people's lives even outside of like, you know, physical transformations, you know, not the weight loss and stuff like that. Um, I truly believe the quality of life on a lot of people has changed. They've gained a lot of cool experiences and relationships because of the gym, just the atmosphere and the culture that we've created. That's the best thing that has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the worst or the hardest thing is literally like, I don't know what I'm doing. To be honest, with you, I, I've been winging it. I, when I started this, I had never, um, being a veteran and dealing with like the demons that I've had, I couldn't hold on to a job really well, to be, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Um, I had a short temper. And so I have no really good, I have, don't have a good work history. And so whenever I decided to do this, I was like, I, what the hell am I doing? Um, I've never taken a college class on business. I don't have any college degree. I have no idea what I'm doing. They didn't so, teach you how to market in the military? 
dude, they didn't teach me anything in the military. They, <laughs> they taught me how to mop floors. That's about it. Yeah, um, but yeah. so I'm, it's honestly, it's just, I'm learning everything as I'm going. Like I'm trying to learn one new thing every day. Um, I'm good at the big picture, the vision, making stuff come to life. I'm good in that sense. My struggle is like the back end stuff. Operations. The, yeah. the boring stuff, you know, the boring stuff that makes you the money. That's what I'm bad at. Um, I just like, I'm a visionary. That's what I'm good at. So, yeah, I think that it's a, obviously your experience is unique coming from the military and, and struggling in different employment that you've had, but not so unique from the way a lot of people find themselves as gym owners. Right. I, I knew the nine to five life wasn't quite for me. I opened up a gym kind of on a bit of passion and a wing and a prayer. And I've just been figuring it out, trial and error since then. You know, I think it's honestly more of the exception that I talk to people on this show who have fundamental business experience or they've come from other entrepreneurial ventures. Our fitness is somewhat unique in that sense in that you can get by with, with passion and conviction. And for you, you kind of knew that like my back's against the wall. This is it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Dude. Understood. Okay. So with that time, I mean, we've said that the people, the relationships built, that's been the best part of this and the somewhat noble getting to just genuinely help out a fellow person has been the victory of all of this. Talk to us a little bit about how you find those people in the first place, right? Fitness is, is not, if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. What's, what's been successful for you and what hasn't been so great in terms of just getting some bodies in the building? Well, I think, um, so my town is pretty small anyways, we're about 45, maybe 5,000 people now. And growing up, I was a, a pretty good athlete. So People knew me from that. So whenever they heard that I was opening a gym, they already kind of like knew. Um, and we had one other gym in town that, you know, has been on it. To be honest, it's it's just like, uh, it's just boring. It's, there's nothing to it. There's no culture and atmosphere. And, you know, it serves its purpose. And there's still those people that want to go there. But people had been asking for a new gym for a long time. And I'd worked out there for 10 years. I've kind of gotten to know people in the community of what they wanted. And whenever I decided to do this, I said, I already know that there's going to be people that are going to come because they're tired of the other gym. Um, And then once we got them in the doors, it was word to mouth. And then word to mouth, it just, it like was like wildfire. And then... I think, Do you think what, that's because of the the veteran presence and the yeah, yeah. aspect of what so you did. Us being such a small town community, um, like veteran support is pretty great around here. And nobody and you know, we're the big town of all the small towns around. So there's no organizations really for veterans. Um, there's no businesses that are just like openly just pro veteran we're for veterans essentially so people just really kind of um like held on to that and ran with it and supported it and wanted to see us do really well like the support 
from day one has been amazing. So yeah. I think, I think, you know, the veteran first responder thing that had a huge role of getting people in the door. And then whenever they found out um, that it wasn't just for veterans and first responders, you know, they kind of, uh, they appreciated what we were trying to do and just, they came, they joined and they stuck around. So it's been, it's been really sweet. Yeah. Beyond that word of mouth has, has been a catalyst for getting people in there. How do, how do we turn those people into members? Gunner, talk to us a little bit about the, the actual sales process. When we have an interested party, what happens? What are the, the checkpoints along the way for that person to become a client or a member? Honestly, that's something I don't have a process. Um, and that I know I need a, a sales process or something. Um, it's just, they come in. So if they call me, they can either go to our website and sign up right then if they know they want to do it. Or if they come in, basically, I, I've been getting away with the facility, I guess, speaking for itself. And the culture, as soon as you walk in, most people are, I haven't had very few I've had very few people walk in and walk right out. Um, I don't have a, a process of me trying to sell them. I tell them what we offer. I tell them what we're about. And most of the time they, they sign up. I know I need a process. Um, and that's something I want to get dialed in, but I, I'm just not there, I guess. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's another one of those things, you know, we didn't learn sales in yeah. in the military that's not it's a skill right mm -hmm. can we get better at it sure can we get organized can we improve x y and z definitely i'm a big believer that at the heart of it it's just a genuine interaction with another human being yeah you know as soon as we start to get outside of that wheelhouse and, and lose integrity and try to get schemey or, or used car salesy People know. Yep. People can smell bullshit from a mile away. I think it's it's like a late '90s, early 2000s fitness trend that has just held on for whatever reason, and I just yeah. don't think that it's that useful yeah. in our space. Absolutely. Are there things like are there techniques? Sure. Yeah. But it needs to be paired with conviction and belief in the product, like you said. In essence, I'm trying to figure out what they're here for. I'm going to tell them how I can help them with that. And then if they want to join, they do. Here are the options, A or B. Yep. You know, we don't need to, to throw any kind of crazy curveballs at people. So hypothetically, this person signs up, move us along. What do you focus on? What's, what's your big perspective for how we retain members for the long haul? Yeah, so... Um, once they sign up for, you know, if it's just like the monthly open gym membership, those, those ones are tricky. And I don't know how to, to be honest, I don't know how to, um, to get them so dialed in that they don't want to leave because, you know, those are open gyms. They get a key. They just come, they want to come in, do their own thing. They want to be left alone. You know, they'll put the headphones in. They want to be left alone, do their own thing and leave. Um, so I try to, I try to show face and try to remember every single person by name, but now I'm getting to a point where I don't, I can't remember all my people's names. 
Um, so I try to just build relationships with every single person. And some people I'm going to, some people I'm not. Some people don't care to know the gym owner. They just want a, a gym to work out in. Um, but I think the the cultures and the relationships that people are building within the walls, that's what's holding on to most people. We don't have a process for it, to be honest. Um, but I think our process with our group classes is better than our open gym. Um, I think because we, what we're doing now is I've partnered with a, a veteran owned coffee company and our group classes, like we have fresh brewed coffee after every class pretty much. Um, Sounds so, like my kind of gym. Yes. Oh, and we, <laughs> you know, and we have a, for our nonprofit, we have a pretty badass lounge here with, you know, furniture, pool table, ping pong and stuff. Um, so people will come over They'll grab coffee after class. They'll sit down. They'll just talk. They'll shoot the shit. Um, and again, you know, strengthen relationships or build relationships. And that's what's keeping people in the door here with our uh, our group classes and stuff is the culture. Because there's no gym around here that's doing what we're doing. Um, that's, I think, the culture and the relationships yeah. is the number one thing that people stay for, for sure. I think, I mean, it, it's it's a handful of years since you started this, but it still has the, the intention and essence of what it was at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. We wanted this culture and community for the veteran community. Yeah. We've added some others to that, but that doesn't mean that the message changes, oh, right? Yeah, it's, well, it's honestly, the gym has bridged the gap because veterans, even more important. veterans and civilians, like civilians, I don't, you know, whatever you want to call them, you know, people that did not serve, they don't understand veterans um, most of the time, you know, and what we've done in the community is we've brought so many veterans around people or uh, people that hadn't served around veterans because my members are now, they're volunteering for all the stuff we do for our nonprofit. Um, they are around veterans and they see how we act and it's honestly, it's bridged the gap between veteran and people that didn't serve. And that's one of the craziest things about the gym, honestly, is that it's helping other people realize and recognize what veterans deal with and how bad we need each other. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, yeah, that's been, yeah. that's honestly been so cool. I think the important part of all of this is that you and I haven't, spent one second of this conversation talking about programming or sets or reps or what the workouts actually are because i don't think that stuff matters I don't, in the grand I, scheme of it like i don't think it means anything i mean the the my view is if you put together a workout and i put together a workout there's not going to be much different you know nope. unless you're a world-class trainer or whatever people aren't paying for the workouts they're paying for the the community the accountability the atmosphere they want to pay for something that they want to be a part of they don't care about you saying do let's do three sets of 10 on bench press or mm -hmm. you know four sets of eight or whatever they don't care about that they want results and the results are going to come from being in an environment they want to be in consistently they're proud of to be there um and that's how i live that's how i my philosophy is when i'm training like 
my workouts, I think I give people good workouts, right? But they don't stay because of the workouts. They stay because they can Google something for free if they need to. Yeah, absolutely. And that's my philosophy on that. Now, big picture, Gunnar. I mean, our our conversation has basically been, how'd you get here and what do things look like today? As you think and and project into the future, what's, where do you want to see Rally Point Fitness as a business as time goes on? What's sort of the, the goal for you? Yeah, I want um, my big vision is to have multiple um, multiple locations throughout in different areas to be able to reach veterans and then as well as bridge that gap, you know, build the same community and the culture that I have in my gym now, um, just in different towns. But I think my immediate first big future step is to build my compound and bring both buildings to one um, where I have everything in one centralized location. That's my goal. And I think if I can do that, it will change. Like it will change Tuscola for sure. It's a, it's a fun conversation because like you said early on, like I didn't even anticipate owning a business let alone this. And it's evolved a little bit over the years. And now here we are yeah. talking about making this big impact in, in the locality. I think it's it's a hundred percent doable and you can feel the the passion in your voice as you talk about this sort of thing. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you. Let me ask, let me kind of wrap things up with with one last question here and we'll start to to close out our interview. What do you think might be some challenges or or some hurdles that you'll face in that pursuit? Um, I think a lot of stuff. So obviously money, right? I need more, I need money uh, more to get my compound, but I think it's, I need to dial in on the, the boring stuff, the operational side of stuff. Um, Because, you know, I know like my bills are paid, right? My bill, my lights are on, but I need to get more dialed in on, where is everything going, right? What is coming in? What's going out? So I have a better understanding of where I'm going to be in a couple of years or even in a year. That's something I lax on, to be honest. And I also, I just don't know. I haven't done it. And I haven't sat down with somebody or anything to help me in that, that uh, realm, I guess. So my big thing is the operational side of stuff, right? I have the vision. I know if I had $2 million right now, what kind of gym I would build, what it would look like. But it's how do I get there operationally? Um, I don't know. uh, Like, I feel like I need an assistant, but I, I... don't know if I can afford that. Like that's where I'm at. That's the constant struggle in our space. That's that's where I am is like, can I do this? Can I get away with this? Do I even need it? Do I have enough work for this person? So it's just all the boring stuff for me, the fun stuff, the stuff you see on the outside, the vision. um, Like I got that thing dialed in. Like I, my vision for this is so astronomical, Um, but it's just the, like I said, it's the boring shit that, nobody wants to do that you need to do that I struggle on. 
there's a lot that, that goes into running a gym that, that people just don't think about when, yeah. when you're doing the back of the napkin math of if I can just get 150 members at XYZ amount of money, I'm going to be swimming in cash. And it just doesn't quite pan out that way yeah, without, without the background and behind the scenes work. Gunnar, that's a great place for us to, to begin to wrap things up. But in the short bit of time we have, why don't you tell our listeners where they could learn more about rally point what's the best yep. website what's the social media how can people connect with you guys yep. so our brand new website we just launched on sunday is www.rallypointfitness.org um our facebook rally point fitness one would be the the handle i guess you call it instagram rally point fitness one gmail rally point or, or email rally point fitness at gmail.com um but yeah those are everything we have on social media our website um yeah fantastic gunner this has been awesome man I, I genuinely appreciate anytime we get the chance to to look underneath the hood of a business like this and talk about what truly goes on and what it takes to grow something like this i'm excited i wish you nothing but the best and i appreciate your time today awesome man i appreciate you absolutely to everyone who tuned in thank you as well don't forget if you'd like to be notified about future episodes hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch. As always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host today, Adam Shop, and today with me is Fazel with 8Foo out of Wembley, United Kingdom. Fazel, how's it going? Hey, I'm all right, Adam. How are you? How are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Thank you for asking. Um, I appreciate you hopping on the show today and, you know, being able to talk about you and your facility and all of your experiences. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, you got some nice weather over there. It's uh, sunny today for us, so... Yeah, sunny, but a bit cold, you know, like it's that time of the year, but it's nice. Yeah, no, I, I get that. I don't know how cold it is out there, but it's like, um, you about know, 51, 51F. Like, what's that? If you're, you're in America, so for you guys, it'd be Fahrenheit 51. Yeah, that's that's about right. And then it's, it's uh, Celsius for you guys. So what's that, like like 20? Nah, I'll say it's about between 10, about 10. 10 okay. Excellent. Well, Fazel, um, I'm going to go ahead and open it up to you. Go ahead and just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your experiences, you know, how you got into ApeFu, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Yeah, sure. So I started training from probably the age of about 
10, like in a more formal sort of saying, I mean, obviously when you're a kid, you're running around and always doing things, but in terms of like a formalized sort of institutional sort of saying, I started practicing martial arts at the age of about 10 when I went into high school. And the, the key thing I took away from that experience was uh, the discipline and the focus and the, the concentration needed to like take us all through those like pain barriers initially and those barriers of like trying to um, surpass your previous limitations in terms of like your cardiovascular health, your physical health, your mental health, and like incorporating all the different techniques and movements involved with it as well. But the key thing was, you know, growing up like in uh, Northwest London, it was, you, you, there's a lot of like social problems sometimes. You come across like, all kinds of different characters who are going through different tests and challenges in life. So you come across very, a lot of emotional volatile sort of teenagers in my school, especially. So the key was for me that I, I was going to be around these sort of people, my, some of them even my friends, but you wanted to uh, have the discipline and the, the courage to make sure that you don't act out and emotionally become volatile like that. And martial arts for me was the best way to like really give yourself that centralized avenue and the focus to let out all the steam and whatever it was within the within the institutionalized setting of like the arts. So when I carried on doing the martial arts and stuff, I went from karate, I went to, I got to black belt, and then I started doing more uh, kickboxing. I wasn't belt-based. It was more like, it got me a bit introduced and a bit of sparring and stuff. I think I went more into boxing. I did like some very uh, low-key level uh, amateur fights. But then I was studying at the time and the, the, the concussion sort of CT damage caused from punching. I didn't want to risk any uh, brain damage, so I stopped. I mean, I became more of a coach. Um, I, I became a PT probably when I turned about 20. Um, I was studying computer science at university, which I'd finished. But then I also wanted to uh, learn about stumps, learn about subjects and uh, topics, which are generally interested in. So then I about learning about uh, finding an interest in the anatomy, the physiology, the nutritional aspect of training, you know, the, how, the, how you could incorporate a healthy lifestyle, the science behind it really got me engaged. And I started studying that stuff part-time and I became level two, level three, level four personal trainer. And then I was working on a part-time basis initially while building up leads and clients. And then eventually I started building up like a lot of, like a good schedule where I'd be training at least 20, 20 people a week. And then I slowly started investing in my own uh, gym and my own studio as well. Um, at the back of like, my family home i turned it into a studio i made use of it like i put some martial arts equipment up some full-up stuff and i started like training a lot of calisthenic stuff as well at that time like which means getting strong with your body weight strength ratio a lot of like gymnastic based stuff and i, I took a bit of inspiration from bruce lee i think every single martial artist already most, most sports people took inspiration from that when i started studying all of his methodologies all these books all these researching all of this that and it's like, uh, it's like a rabbit hole. Once you go through, you'll come across all kinds of different approaches and different methodologies and approaches. And uh, I even used to do a bit of work for Beachbody, it's an American company, like uh, HIIT stuff. I mean, Tony Hall and Sean T, those guys were quite cool. They helped me out as well. So then I basically like blasted through several different regimens, but I still carried on in my martial arts as my fundamental sport. And then over the last, let's say, seven when I got past my early 20s, I started to learn about mountaineering and rock climbing because I knew for me, it was always important to have good strength to weight ratio. And then when, when it comes to rock climbing, it's a really good way to train your uh, your upper body and build strength in like your, your forearms, your fingers. 
uh, you obviously your back and it also uses your legs a lot as well and your core is like extremely important so i guess you're quite lean and then you sort of train your antagonist and stuff with your chest and your climbing does use your chest well you are pulling most of the time if there are certain problems it depends on what you're climbing you, you do engage your chest a lot as well it's like a full body workout at the end of the day so i started incorporating more of that and our coach uh, climbing as well as, as martial arts and that's how i came up with the brand name ape food because it's like a bit of like ape as a climber and the food as a martial arts it was a bit of a generic name at the time but it just kind of clicked with me so then yeah so then i just carried on pursuing um the passion of martial arts and now it's obviously been teaching it and then every day is just another day to grow and learn more and you never want to I always spend the first few hours of every day making sure I listen to a podcast or some informative sort of knowledge is coming through because that's when your brain is the, the sharpest. And I try to just follow the same principles from like day one of having good discipline and focus and consistency and, you know, enjoying the process. And obviously now I'm 31, so I'm not training as intensively and as doing as much insane stuff as I used to do like about 10 years ago, maybe, you know, let's say five years ago. But I'm way more like, I think as you get older, you gain more experience and you have more strength. You don't necessarily have to push yourself to the same level. You got to just, you have to be, you have to train smarter, not harder. I mean, that's obviously come to me learning more, experiencing more, having the odd injury here and there, speaking to people and growing. And now there's access of information. You could always learn things like from your palms. Like, so there's no excuse for ignorance now. So there's also, there's never any benefit of pretending to know something you never know. So being like very humble with everything that you you come across and everything that you might want to try and learn this whole like uh, integral sort of aspect of life so so now I basically my schedule just consists of so training people within my studio and my gym and also qualified as a, a school teacher as well so I do a bit of supply supply work and then I've also started coaching people in that mountaineering and rock climbing as well. Just so to make people nicer to nature, you know, there's that community-based element, which I think is very important when it comes to training. Like not being too antisocial, making it welcoming and uh, encouraging everyone from all sorts of backgrounds to, uh, to congregate on like a good common sort of practice and good uh, morals and good activity. So yeah, that kind of sums up my, my journey as a, as a trainer. I could probably go into it more, but I'll hand it back to you, Adam. <laughs> no, no worries, Fazla. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> lots of experience. That's super cool. I've always been, um, you know, keen and I guess uh, partial to, you know, like martial arts and, you know, everything that goes into that because, you know, um, the, the the mind, the, the you know, the, the mental connection with, you know, how, how you view everything, how you, you know, you use the brain so much in martial arts that, like you mentioned, as you get older, it's like, you not necessarily have to train as hard, but you have to train your mind to kind of counter, you know, like as the body starts to age and stuff like that, it's like, you know, um, all good things. You know, I, uh, I love Bruce Lee, um, see a ton of his movies, you know, all of his trainings, you know, I, I'm not as adverse as you with the research, but it's, it's just one of those things where it's just so intriguing and interesting to be able to, you know, to strengthen the mind like that. So. Yeah, like what's interesting is a lot of his methodologies are still useful today. Well, a lot of the like the pros back in the day, like the principles we trained behind are still so useful. Like, for instance, like Bruce Lee, for instance, was very good about isometric training. I mean, I gave him like ridiculous like strength where he could just hold like a hundred pound dumbbell like with a straight arm, just like training strength in ways which you may not necessarily conform to on like a daily basis, but like it still has effective like uh, principles and um, output if you did those sort of things today. So it's always good like to just learn as much as possible and 
Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, and I love the science kind of behind, you know, like the name. I love, I love ape food. I don't know why. I just, it's, it's a little bit of an eye catcher. So. Thanks. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So let's kind of, uh, now we know a little bit about you and, you know, your experiences and, you know, the gym, you know, talk to us about, you know, how big is it? How many people do you currently have like in a membership base? Oh, so currently it's like, I get a lot of referrals and because I have like social media following and stuff, a lot of it's just word of mouth or like through association and people I know, because uh, I have a website and stuff. And then, yeah, I normally just have people contact me. I mean, I just, just meet with them I and mean, see how well I can help them achieve their goals and stuff. Uh, but to be honest with everyone, it's just the main, the key element is just building up the, the habit really of like wanting to, to train and like developing the initial neuromuscular sort of connection and pathways so that they could habitually like do any form of physical activity. I mean, just kind of setting them on the way. And then obviously with the, the business side of things, you want to be friends with them as well, like help out with them unconditionally if they ever need anything. So I think it all comes into play, like whenever you're training any sort of client, like it's not only business, but it's also like a friendship as well. And I, that really makes a big difference, I find. Yeah, 100%. Um, how big is your facility right now? I uh, say uh, currently I'm doing about 30 hours a week. There's like, no, like, uh, sorry, like the size, like the square footage or like the meters. Uh, let me think. Probably about a thousand square foot. Okay. And then, so obviously training, you know, said 30 hours. Um, you know, how many, you know, how many members or people do you have that come to your facility, your gym? Oh, so for 30 hours, I've got about 15 clients. 50 clients, okay. And those are about recurring monthly? And you see them every kind week? Kind of, yeah. Some people have different plans. Like I have like students and stuff, a couple of students. I mean, they just, yeah, they pay me like on a weekly basis. But yeah, monthly, monthly, so rolling plans, that's, that's, that's normally the best way to do it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, just get that recurring. Um, cool, Fazzle. Well, kind of go ahead and give us like, you have the, the methodology and the mindset, you know, if somebody were to walk into your facility and they were looking to, you know, get in shape, get healthy, maybe learn what's kind of like your elevator pitch or, you know, how would you assess them to see, you know, Hey, like I recommend this or how, you know, what, what's your process to converting them from a, a prospect to a potential member? Well, I always find like the first time you're meeting them, you may not necessarily want to make it all about just going, throwing them straight to the deep end and start training straight away. You want to sit down and gather like uh, understanding socially in terms of where they are, what how they have, what's their current uh, relationship with their training and what obviously what their goals are and their long-term sort of like objective and what their current understanding is of like what they've done so far, their background, whether they have any injuries, all the health and safety stuff. And then uh, obviously sitting down and working all of an hour and then obviously progressing like let's see, my initial session will probably be like a consultation sort of like trying to work out uh, where, what the imbalances are, where they're strong, where they're weak, like if they got like uh, a mobile left shoulder, they've got a big misbalance in the left knee or something like that. It's working out where they are in terms of the, the posture and where the muscularity may be lacking or where you can help create like just balance everything out. So then the first session will just be about that and then obviously developing like a program and a plan progressively based on that. I've been correcting the, the imbalances. It purely depends on the person's goals. Like I have a client, for instance, who was involved in a car accident. For him, it's like progress to just make him like do like astrograph sort of squats 
And then I have like other other people who've never you've never trained before in their life and they're over 50. So you just want to like I mean the key the key thing everyone kind of says is you just want to like uh, tone up, lose weight, look a bit like those the stereotype sort of things that they see on like social media, wherever other places things are advertised. I think that I try to remind the client it's not necessarily always about the, the numbers on the scale. I mean, it can be if you're training for something like a specific, like let's say a powerlifting competition or something, or like bodybuilding, whatever. Uh, it's all, all about like the the relationship you have with your with yourself and how you feel when you wake up. And obviously, in terms of your strength, like are you getting stronger and how that's making you feel, and obviously your your diet and your lifestyle choices and even your relationships with like other people around you and how that's affecting you, how your training is affecting that. So um, difficult to always like just quantify things in terms of numbers, but then I also understand how that's important to measure, measure progress and like to do that on a consistent basis. I've been telling about like you said things have got to be a bit bread and butter about like you need to get done this much amount of minimum sets for your chest if you want your muscle to grow like on a weekly basis that says between 12 and 15 sets if you're not hitting that minimum sort of threshold then you're not going to give the right send the right signals for the growth and then so you got to always uh, keep keep to the basics sort of bread and butter ingredients you need for the, the goals that they want but then also it's about the journey and the process and enjoying the other elements of the training as well we're just teaching them about that so it's, it's mainly like, it's a lot of just education really. I mean, just making that education, ingraining it into their, their habits and their daily lifestyle. Yeah, make sure like that 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 best fit. Yeah, but it just takes time. Because you're speaking to people who are coming from a, a background whereby they've always looked at exercise and training as something like way too difficult. Like you speak to anyone like who's a bit unfit I even do. I, I even started teaching in schools now as a PE teacher, just to just to get an understanding to where this all these habits develop from. It develops from like a young age when they're like in high school. In primary school, they're normally a bit active. But it's changing now, but even in high school, where they just like try and avoid participating in the PE lessons and the sports lessons, I mean, it becomes like a reoccurring sort of effect into their adulthood. I mean, they never really ever develop positive pathways with with training and exercise. I mean, it becomes like a habit to be unfit and anything else seems like way too much outside of their comfort zone. Now, even going for a walk, for instance. And it's like a very contagious habit is when you want everything at your fingertips and you just want everything to be like easy and you don't want to work for anything, then you become like, uh, you start to take everything for granted. But then, yeah, like you, like anyone to know, at the, at the old age and your body starts to depreciate faster when it has no muscle mass. So it eventually catches up with you later on in life. So. Just about you know building the awareness, but also not trying to throw them straight into the deep end as well. Just like really, just pushing them, nudging them slowly, eventually, so that they could wake up and have their own sort of mentality to do be like healthy and active. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with your facility and you know your current members, and you, you talked about you wanted to you know increase your members and, and retention things like that. You know what? You know what's the number goal like how many people do you want to get to you know kind of talk to us about you know some of your goals for expanding your facility yeah so obviously i'd like to build like a bigger facility where i could probably have members coming through and just just working out and training more more freely and so it could become less like a much more less personalized studio a bit more public as well and then just expand on that and just maybe get a warehouse or something like a bigger sort of space and then obviously eventually like have a much bigger member base and then be able to employ other people as well to work 
Yeah. So currently it's just you in the training facility, right? Yeah. I mean, I do, I do have a couple of other PTs. I might call for call on sometimes to help me out with like a client if I'm away or something, but yeah, generally it's just me. Okay. Do you, you know, is there, do you have like any like specific numbers as far as like, you know, what's going to allow you to be able to hire, you know, maybe another coach or PT and, or, you know, get into that bigger facility kind of, you know, to, you know, expand? Well, I'll probably need a bit of, uh, a bit of investment or otherwise I'll just need a bit of time to like, just make sure I have enough like resources uh, available to expand. Uh, I, I guess we just with a bit, a bit of patience or, or come about. But yes, yeah, it's, it's like currently I'm like in the routine of just training people in my own place. And you know how it is, you just like on the cycle. I mean, you, you get quite comfortable in the cycle, but you've got to step away from it sometimes and take the risk and the leap into opening up something bigger. Otherwise, you're always going to stay where you are. So that's something I'm coming to the understanding with right now. Yeah, you've been, you know, training for so long and now it's kind of like, okay, where do I really want to take it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, as far as like getting leads in your facility, you said that the majority is from word of mouth referrals. Yeah, and so social media has been a bit useful as well. And um, actually, yeah, I think a lot of it is like, if I'm training, I, um, I go to like several different gyms throughout the week. and like quite a few memberships and stuff. So I'm always on the scale anyway. And I like to be a bit social when I see someone training or someone always asking for help. I always try and unconditionally help everyone, regardless. And then if they're interested, then I try to build on that. But um, I think the, the key sometimes in when it comes to training and like building the, the client base is trying to uh, trying to be friendly and make friends and not trying to force the sell too much. Just just trying to help people on their journey. Like a bit of charity goes a long way. And then that, that comes back to a much greater sort of return. That's the kind of model I'll be following. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, right now, currently, if you had to put a number on it, how many, you know, potential new people do you see coming in your facility on a weekly basis that you could potentially turn into a client? Well, because it was a new year, it was a good January. I managed to uh, bring on board uh, about um, 10, 10 new people. And then if the key, the thing is though, like let's say I brought those 10 people on, a lot of them will be on like long-term sort of plans because it takes at least six weeks to build the habit. So it's like minimum six to eight weeks just for them to get the habit and understanding how to exercise and then build a foundation, which will take like these two, three months. And then from there, you want to just like, it's like they're all long-term sort of clients. So you want to make them making sure about the training at least, having at least two effective sessions a week, or maybe even three, unless they're doing like, Let's say if they're like a long distance runner or something and they have like specific other goals, I mean, they might not want to do too much like weights or resistance training or then you might like want to like knock it back a bit if they have a competition or something coming up. But generally, like on average, I'd say at least two, two sessions a week for each, each client. I mean, just trying to work out how you can fit everyone into your diary, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I think the, the key is also once you become quite good at the skill is just to try to outsource it. I mean, try to start teaching other people and students as well. So that's something I'm looking to do now as well. So that they could basically like help out with the, with the workflow. Yeah, basically, you'll have somebody, you know, that kind of help out at the facility. Yeah, that'll be like, that'll be great.
Yeah. Um, you know, have you, you know, found a person or had any luck, you know, and, you know, maybe now or in the near future where, you know, you think you have that person that could help out or is that just a Yeah, I mean, I do always find I did have someone, I was, I've had people over the years, but the, the PT sort of industry, especially in London, is very volatile. So people are always chopping and changing, maybe doing PT a bit, like, I mean, it's all branching out into other sort of freelance activities. And everyone's just kind of how well how well it fits into their own sort of schedule and routine of all the other commitments that they have going on. So it's like, because it's so volatile and it's like zero hour contract based work mostly for a lot of these guys. Um, it's, it's constantly like chopping and changing. Yeah. So I think if I had like a bigger sort of, maybe a slightly more commercial sort of facility, then uh, I could probably have more consistent stuff. It might help a bit. But it's a general like nature of the fitness industry. Because I used to work in gyms as well. Um, for quite a few years and years, constant change. Oh yeah, personnel. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you know, like the the big box gyms and the PT. It's like there's a lot of turnover all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, puzzle. Um, cool. You talked about you know, you know, needing an investment or uh, you know, just just being patient and stuff to kind of you know figure out the next steps. You know, what what currently you know, if you had to put you know, what do you have in place that's going to help you? you know, potentially get into that new facility, you know, over the course of, you know, maybe a year or two years or six months or, you know, whenever your, your thought process is on that. Well, I've definitely got like the right ambition in terms of psychologically being prepared for it. I feel like, yeah. Cause I think if you're going to expand and become more immersive with your business and stuff or whatever, you have to really enjoy the process and the journey like you've got to you got to make sure that like you know because especially the first six months of opening up any business is always going to be a bit slow anyway so you have to be prepared for the risk and be prepared to work quite hard as well and also have really good uh, relations and relationships and contacts with those who are close to you just in case you might need help it's kind of difficult to do purely by yourself so having having a good team around you also kind of helps as well and in terms of like preparing myself in the best way, I just have to um, just make sure that my my eye stays sticks sticks really closely to my my long term perspective and not uh, digressing too much from my goals. Mm-hmm. And then obviously addressing all the all the barriers which may be ahead, and then just be willing to just to make the leap of faith, I guess. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you said, if you if you never take a step forward, you're always in the same spot. Absolutely, yeah. You have to be willing to take the risk. Yeah, man. Um, well, cool. Definitely, uh, you know, it's 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 good that you're conscious about it and thinking about it because that means like you're already thinking about, you know, what are the next steps? How am I going to get there? And, you know, preparing yourself to be able to make that mental shift. Um, as far as you, you mentioned social media and stuff like that, you know, are you just doing your own social media posts, things like that? Do you have anybody that's helping you? do you know like paid marketing or you know paid posts things like that or is it pretty much just you yeah i do i do all the stuff myself all right and you said that you know that's helped out a lot you know what kind of lead generation you know have you gotten from you know those social media posts well i find like i'm posting like a training video or some experience i had like doing a hard mountaineering sort of like goal like climbing something or doing something it helps inspire people and it makes you look a bit more credible i find like it's a bit like an online cv it's like a portfolio i guess 
if you if you manage it quite well it just kind of shows people that you're obviously serious about your your passion and your training and you have like a respectable level of pedigree to to want to teach other people but then i also think like with social media and all this stuff is it depends on your your intention behind each post as well. Uh, if your intention is to inspire and encourage people and educate them, then that kind of goes in the right direction. Uh, otherwise, you could just do it for you, like just for yourself as your own sort of personal milestone. But I find like it just helps provide that visual sort of portfolio for people. Sometimes it gives like uh, allows you to exploit technology for more of its benefit. I find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having the passion behind, you know, exactly what you're doing, people see that versus, you know, somebody that's just trying to, you know, sell something or make a post. Yeah. Cool, cool, man. Um, so I want to touch on, you know, one last subject here, you know, on our conversation today is, you know, you mentioned retention was, you know, one of your things like that too. Um, you know, kind of walk me through, you know, how is your retention right now? Do you have a lot of people that come and go? Do you have a lot of people that stay? You know, what's that been like for you? uh yeah well at the start of the year you have a lot of people joining so it normally stays good till about easter march march april i mean it slows down a bit i mean it starts to pick up again right before summer and then like towards the end of summer they start to die down a bit and then it picks up a bit more before till about november december and then it starts to die down again so it has its peaks and its troughs but the, the key is that you got to uh, have clients whereby you are willing to invest uh, long-term. And then from that, you could really like establish the sort of pathways that they need to keep going. I mean, obviously it's not, it's not sustainable for everyone to just be constantly be training all the time. So you've got to um, incorporate that. Everyone's going to have like sort of breaks and stuff in between. And then let's say someone goes on a holiday or travels for a month is to, um, make sure that when they return they could regain the same habits and the same mentality again and you could you gotta kind of be on the be on the case of just trying to be as a friend trying to look out for them in terms of how well they're doing with their health and their goals and obviously don't pester them like a salesman or more just like speak to them like a friend and be like how's it going man how's your training going how's this going how can i help you um just be a bit charitable. I think the charity element's good. Like I'll give you some free advice on whatever you're having with the nutritional plans. I can write your program to get going. I mean, you come, you can have training me as well. I mean, I can monitor your form and your progress. And you mean, you're never going to do all the work for someone anyway. I mean, there's always, it's, a lot of the time, you're going to be with a guy that maybe what, two, maybe between one and three, four hours a week max. So it's all about the stuff that they're doing outside of the work, which will determine the progress that they're actually making. Um, in terms of like making sure that they're sleeping correctly, having the right sort of like social habits, lifestyle choices, um, dietary choices. So uh, these are things which you've got to like kind of build an understanding with your client with, and it takes time. So I think the key is just to um, have those sort of conversations with everyone and try and build that rapport and friendliness. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, building the rapport is huge. You know, you got to have relationships with your clients and stuff like that. Otherwise, they're not going to feel invested into what you're trying to do. Yeah, and I, I also think, you know, like accountability is kind of good as well. Like if you set, if you make yourself accountable for their goals, 
and allow them to, if you don't, if they're not hitting those goals, you could also have to do a lot of self-evaluation as well and look at how you could also educate yourself and understand the absolute benefits of all the activities and the tasks you're making them do. And then, like you said, rapport, encouragement and support. And I also also build that level of like courage that they need, like whenever their difficulty comes their way. And I think the key to contact to conquer the difficulty is a lot. It's a lot like trying to make the process a lot more, more, more fun and like make it much more of a jovial sort of journey. And I think that goes a long way as well. That's why like I encourage guys to do sports or like do activities sometimes, or I suppose to just focus on like like empty sort of perspective or just lifting weights or not having any particular goal or being able to express it in any particular avenue. So I think like doing a bit of an activity sometimes is, is also like useful as well for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, would you say that, you know, you have more people signing up than, than people that are leaving your facility right now, or is it kind of, you know, in between? Well, what happens is um, once I hit like my lim limitations on the amount of hours I could probably handle on a weekly basis, uh, I was trying to uh, take too many uh, additional clients or I just temporarily put them on hold or if I could find them another trainer, I kind of just like send them another trainer and try to keep a commission from it or something. Uh, otherwise, I uh, just kind of trying to hit a certain threshold. But then, yeah, there might be like a person, I say maybe, maybe might, one person leaves I and mean, then I try and get like at least two back. But it's constant. Like, I'll do, if I have like a spare session in the afternoon or evening or mornings, I try to fit like taster sessions and um, try and make those um, hours productive as well. Yeah, absolutely. You feel like that that biggest burden, I guess, is just you know being able to get that that second coach or you know bigger facility to kind of help keep and retain more people and you know continue on you know, your passion, your process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, like your overall goals, like big, big goals. You know, you mentioned here, you want to expand the brand internationally, you know, kind of talk to me the next, like, you know, one to three years, three to five years, where do you want to take ApeFu? Like what, what, what's that realistic world look like for you? Well, I'd like to have, um, I'd like to eventually build like a franchise, maybe optimistically, that'd be cool where I can have like a facility similar to my, my studio right now. Uh, just on a bigger scale and just have access to more equipment and stuff and just have people who have a community-based sort of gym where people could turn up and not necessarily feel like like it's a very intense sort of intensive sort of environment and not to be intimidated by the thought of training but obviously like allow that business to mix in well with the local community and local businesses and you could collectively like operate in terms of like providing the the ultimate experience for the client where they could benefit on a social level, but also have like a community, which is kind of help helps them on their own personal journey as well. And it'll be nice to have like a center or something where I could offer that. I've then obviously expand on that and have other centers. That would be like a great goal. So I know London is like such a big market as well, over 10 million people living here. So there's definitely the, the interest would always be here. It just purely depends on you just, um, feeding the market what it requires and the services that it needs and i think it's easier now than it has been before because of all the the social media and online marketing and stuff now 
and the increase in knowledge and information and people are a lot more aware about like the importance of taking care of their health and if you can make it like a very sort of friendly sort of environment then it could remove like the, the barriers and i think the key is just the, the first step of, of any journey once you start making the first step the rest start to follow so you just got to just build up that sort of the initial sort of like initial leap yeah no absolutely um that makes sense um, so Fazl, last couple questions here for you as we get ready to wrap up, you know, I always like to ask this question for the listeners, you know, if, if there was some advice that you would give to somebody who's looking to start their own business in the fitness facility or fitness industry, whether it's martial arts, basketball, weightlifting, you know, uh, personal training, group training, you know, what, what would be your words of advice for them? I mean, I'd say the, the key is to remember that uh, if fitness business it could is all it, it can be very rewarding and it can be profitable as well but the way it becomes rewarding is by you really enjoying the fitness and the training yourself because when you know that even if it's not initially very like let's say financially rewarding you're, you're going to be using it to grow and develop yourself first and foremost if you invest in yourself and your own knowledge and what you can do and your own ability as a trainer and even as as like have your own sort of big sort of personal goals then you could use this to help like maybe inspire other people at the bare minimum. So focus on yourself first and foremost and get yourself in order, like have the right sleeping patterns and your own sort of like have right nutrition and good lifestyle choices. And then build on that and then try and like exemplify yourself as being like the, the ultimate role model for others. I mean, I'll inspire you even more so because you'll become way more efficient and organized. And I mean, obviously in terms of like the, the business side of things, you would obviously be looking at to conduct like market research, look at what's going on within the industry, identify your gap, your niche, your specialism, and then look at how you could really stand out amongst all the other sort of people. I mean, obviously you've got to be like in terms of um, organize yourself and develop a business plan as this will be like the roadmap to uh, provide you with the ultimate uh, objective, your strategies, your financial sort of project, um, projections, and you to have this all sort of in place. I mean, the funding is a big aspect as well, like making sure that you could organize your your funds in a more useful, in a very useful way. Like try and be a bit prudent with your spending. And it can be expensive, so maybe you could speak to investors, friends, and family about any any projects, any projects you might have going on. Maybe it could help you. You you never know what's uh, you never know what what people could do for you. So you have to just be out there, look for help if you need the funding. And the location is obviously key. You want to be somewhere which is vibrant and somewhere good and accessible for everyone. And if you do go on to eventually hire people and staff, you want to make sure that they're competent and you want to make sure that the health and safety elements always like never compromised. And you know, in terms of like investing in equipment and stuff, I wouldn't say you have to invest in a lot. Like in terms of, I'd say keep your costs low. Because once you start increasing your costs in terms of equipment and all these things that you might need, you're not having any revenue come through the door. So you've got to be careful that you're investing in like not very expensive equipment. I'll give you like an example. Let's say like, I don't know if you've heard of them, they're called par parallettes. They're like elevated sort of dip bars. But on those, you could also do like pull-ups and dips. And they're very cheap to buy. And they're very universal. They don't cost much. So you look to buy like cheap equipment, which could be used for like many sorts of different things. And that could be a very good way for you to learn about different training methodologies and approaches as well. So... You don't necessarily have to buy expensive equipment to start. I would just say you can start with the basics. And then obviously build your brand. And the awareness is very important as well because that will identify your own sort of personal sort of 
your niche and you identify how you, your own sort of methodology and your own principles. Because I think there is the art element to training. There's a science element where if you do X, Y, Z, you get that sort of result. There's also artistic element where you could do the X, Y, Z and then do it in a way so that it personally benefits you and your own sort of niche. Uh, and then obviously the key is to like market your business and be on top of like your social media and stuff and really use these resources um, and exploit them for their best benefits. And don't be scared of like people criticizing you this and that because at the end of the day, the nature of the humans is just to, is to never expect perfection. So you have to be willing to take on board the criticism and that's going to be key for you to help you grow. And obviously also by doing that, you could always develop your customer service skills as well because you could take the constructive criticism and you can learn from it and you could grow. And that's the key, like, Jeanette, things, don't take things too personally, but always look at the bigger perspective of like trying to improve your services and offer the, the world and the clients what you need to give them like to improve and become much more healthier and always keep your mind that that's your perspective is to create the client base which is healthier and stronger and fair and you can motivate them on the right sort of sustainable sort of business sorry fitness pathway so yeah i think that kind of covers it i think just take it slow i think that's the key don't try to overwhelm yourself too much too soon and just keep your costs low yeah good words of advice you know uh, obviously if you try to rush into things you know you might forget something, miss something, you know, overlook yeah. something. Um, then you kind of got to backpedal or go, oh crap, how do I, you know, how do I fix this or how do I go back on this and stuff like that? So um, good words of advice. Um, last but not least, Fazel, um, if somebody were to want to come to your facility, where can they reach you? Instagram, Facebook, website, go ahead and give shout outs on how people can reach out to your facility. Well, they could contact me on uh, Instagram or they could just go to my website. It's um, A-P-E-F-O-O. That's my Instagram and my website is apefoo.co.uk. Awesome. Well, for everybody out there that's listening and you want to come check out an awesome silly that you're going to get the, the right one-on-one attention and, you know, small group attention, this is the place for you. Um, and for anybody else out there listening, if this story inspired you or, you know, made you say, hey, I want to go share my experiences in the industry and things like that, feel free to click on the link below, type in your information. We'll be in touch. But until then, y'all, that's another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.